This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. I mean, stop singer. Toss on off the first in time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye baseball. Straight away center field. Dano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Hey, welcome back, Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being here once again. A couple of tough days for the M's after winning 9 of 10, taking the first game of the series against the Rangers. They've lost a couple in a row, and it's really been kind of the opposite of what we've seen during that 10-game stretch where the Mariners had uh, a couple leads in the ball games, but the bullpen coughs it up. A lot of walks the last couple of ball games, and the Rangers have taken the last two, so they're ahead in the series two games to one. The Mariners will try and get even in the series, try and split the series. Wade LeBlanc on the mound tonight. Mike Miner for the Rangers, 7-10 first pitch, and then Tampa comes in for a weekend series, and we'll talk about that series coming up in the podcast tomorrow. Let's talk about the last two, though, for the Mariners. And first, a couple of milestones. One with Felix pitching the day before yesterday. Uh, something I've been watching for a long time is Felix has climbed the strikeout list and passes really, I mean, if you talk about the Mount Rushmore of baseball starters, it's always a fun argument to have. But uh, Sandy Koufax is just he's one of the greatest pitchers of all time. And to put your name right there with Sandy Koufax, pass him on the all-time strikeout list is just a remarkable thing. The windup by Felix and the 2-2 pitch, check swing, strike three called, and there is career strikeout number 2,397. Felix has just moved by Sandy Koufax. Some impressive history right there. Things offensively going very well for the Mariners in the ballgame as well. The windup and the 2-2 swing, line drive, scalded left field, hanging up, hanging up. It is gone just above the Rangers' bullpen in left field. Number nine for Nelson Cruz was tattooed to left. And the Mariners extend the lead. It's 4-2 Mariners in the bottom of the third. Felix left, though, with the bases loaded in the sixth. All three came around to score, ends up going five, allowing five earned, and then the bullpen... Edwin Diaz, who's just been nails this year in the ninth inning in a tied game, uh, gives up four. The Rangers win 9-5 to five in game two of the series. Walks an issue. Mariners pitchers issued eight free passes against the Rangers, so they take the game that Felix starts. And the Mariners obviously optimistic with James Paxton on the hill. Just wasn't as sharp, although he hit a milestone as well. 
Runner goes, pitch on the way, swing and a miss, strike three, and there it is. James Paxton with his career 500th strikeout in the major leagues. He strikes out Nomar Mazzara on a 1-2 pitch, and that will retire the side here in the top of the first inning. Paxton walks off the field with a souvenir. His strikeout of Nomar Mazzara, number 500, and James's outstanding major league career. How about that? Way to go, James Paxton. Paxton ends up going five, really had the labor in the fifth inning. His pitch count up to 89, a lot of stress pitches in the final frame. Four hits, two runs, four walks, five strikeouts. But the Mariners, again, able to build a lead with a pretty good offensive day. Barnetta looked that away, now stares home and deals. Swing, line drive, up the middle, base hit. Beckham not wasting any time. Zanino hits the bag at third. He turns home. He crosses standing. Gordon Beckham drives in his first run of the season, and it makes it 5-3 Mariners. It was a nice day offensively for the M's. They put six on the board, including a run in the ninth. Gene Segura, a couple hits. Nelson Cruz had three, which is a great sign. Seager, Zanino checking in with two apiece, which is fantastic as well. But for the second straight day, the bullpen can't hold it. Bullpen was... I mean, more than lights out in that 10-game stretch. They allowed one earned run. This has been a different story the last couple of days. Cook gives up a couple. Zepchinski gives up a couple. Again, seven walks issued by the Mariners uh, pitchers in that ball game. So a ton of walks the last couple of outings. And the Rangers come back to get the victory in game three of the series. Seven to six the final scores. They turn the tables on the one-run M's. And the Rangers win. Mariners now 33 and 22. Two days in a row, the Mariners had a chance to move into first place in the West and couldn't do it. Now a chance to split the series. Let's hear from Scott Service his thoughts on the game yesterday. Yeah, we usually are on the other side, like you said, of the one-run games, but uh, obviously not tonight. Um, you know, last last couple nights, um, you know, what had really been our, our strength for such a, a long stretch of, of games here, you know, our our bullpen has just kind of gotten gotten away from us a little bit. And I think it's, you know, uh, the guys, it's been the strike throwing. You know, it's been the, the walks um, that have gotten us a little bit. And then it creates big innings and a lot of traffic out there. So, uh, you know, not our night tonight. Um, you know, we've been playing really good ball. Like the, you know, get a little sloppy with the walks and some of the other stuff, which has hurt us um, here. And you got to give Texas some credit. They're not giving up. They're, they're battling. they got a lot of young players trying to prove themselves. And they've gotten some big hits against us. With the bullpen, is it fatigue? Is it lack of focus? Is it just oh, too comfortable? Yeah, you know, it could be a number of different things, uh, different guys, you know, and we're trying to, you know, tonight, for instance, Eddie Diaz, you know, try to give him a night down, you know, try to stay away from James Pazos. We've been riding him very hard uh, lately. Um, and, and really Paxton, you know, uh, Pax has been at an unbelievable May for us all month, and we have ridden him very hard. Um, you know, looking at the fifth inning tonight and where it was at, uh, you know, the, the leadoff hitter in that inning, it's a 13-pitch at bat, which is that bad is going on. I'm not feeling very good about things because the pitch count is starting to, to – and then he walks them. And before you know it, they got the bases loaded. And to his credit, you know, he dug way deep and, and got through it. Um, you know, so coming out of that inning, I think it was 32, 33 pitches he threw that inning. Um, thought it was best to, to pull back on him a little bit and go to the pen. Um, so it uh, didn't work out tonight. Uh, but, you know, trust those guys down there. They've been doing a good job for us for an extended period. just hasn't worked out the last couple of nights. So the relievers... kind of a frustrating thing when, the, when you see Paxson run into a lot of foul balls. We hadn't seen that many probably since really early in April. But that, that's a tough 
one for a pitcher to kind of fight through a little bit, isn't it? It really drives the pitch count up, and it's probably ultimately pretty frustrating. Yeah, it is. It was the at-bat of the game, if I had to say. Certainly, you know, they had some big hits uh, later in the game. But, uh, um, you know, as far as, like, turning the game, um, it, it really did put strain on packs. And I say that, and, and to his credit, he did figure out a way to get through that inning uh, without letting him score. And at the point, you know, we still had a two-run lead. Um, but, you know, just didn't work from there. But you got to give their guy credit. He kept fouling off some really tough pitches, and, you know, he ultimately got on base. For the relievers in particular, what do you need to do when you're facing a club that is as aggressive as these guys are? Well, the key for relievers is that first batter you come into face. And um, I think the last all, tonight, all of our guys, everyone that came in, the first guy got on base. Last night, I think everyone but one, uh, the guys we brought in, the first guy got on base. And it is huge getting that first out. It's a lot of times you're looking at matchups, and that's why they're in there. But, you know, guys are human. Uh, you know, just haven't been as sharp with the command of the fastball, getting it down in the zone, getting it in good spots. And uh, I know we try to pride ourselves here on controlling the strike zone at the plate, but it, at the mound has been really just as big um, you know make them earn their way on and you know the hit by pitches the walks you know it does catch up to you was the alberto at bat the one that just kind of determined that that was it for packs that oh made? no it didn't determine he gets the next guy on a double play ball you know we're, we're, we're fine it just didn't really balance itself out and i thought you know myself and, and mel and coaches on the bench talked about where he was at and you know you have to make a tough call but again um, trying to balance it uh, the workload that he's had is he has been so good uh, for us and he'll continue to be good for us and that's what we were looking for there it was just one of those nights you had to go to the bullpen with a couple run lead we weren't able to, to hold on Scott, I think he gets seven doubles tonight Nelson hits a few more balls hard was it good to see uh, another kind of step back in the right direction collectively from the offense and, and getting yeah, you know, we scored six runs tonight. I think we probably should have scored even more than that. We certainly had opportunities. Um, situational hitting uh, early in the game. Didn't get some guys in when we had some chances to. And they all kind of, when you lose a ball game, you look back on those opportunities. So uh, the offense is starting to come uh, come together, which is great. You know, we've been struggling a lot of those 3-2, 2-1 two, two, games. We're in different type of games now. And, you know, in these seven, six, six, five games, you've got to execute, um, you know, when you do have chances. And, you know, we'll be fine. Uh, like I said, we're... we're Playing a good stretch of baseball. It's a long homestand here. Uh, we won some games early in the homestand. Pulled some games out late. Even tonight, you know, we got the uh, the tying and uh, run on base with a chance to, to, you know, keep the game extended, but just didn't happen. Nelson Cruz making the turn and then going head first in the second. When when did you stop watching that? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Welly uh, Nelly is is all in. Um, certainly, you can see he's, he's uh, feeling better at the plate. Uh, he's got the little smile on his face again, which is good because uh, he wasn't real happy with things there for a while. But uh, yeah, when he those guys they sniff those doubles and he's going to find a way to to take advantage of it and get there. So and he was just barely safe. It feels like your defense hasn't been quite as crisp here the last couple nights either. It hasn't. No, you're, you're right, Greg. Uh, as far as you know, throwing the right base, making the the plays that are supposed to be made, hitting the cutoff, man, all those little things add up. And certainly, when you play in this many one run games, that's when it really becomes magnified. We've been very good at that um, the last couple nights. Uh, it has. We haven't been as sharp. Yeah, you're right. I mean. There's a reason they were winning so many one-run games and they were doing a lot of things well. It wasn't just the pitching defensively. They were outstanding as well. All those things have not come together last two games, and Texas takes the last two. What about James Paxton? How did he feel about his start? Here's what he had to say. Well, service called that at-bat with Alberto, the at-bat of the game, 13 pitches. What was it that he was doing that you weren't doing that? 
how did that play out? He just fell off some good pitches. You know, I felt like I threw some break of balls in the bottom of the zone that he just ticked and uh, some fastballs up he got a piece of. You know, it's just a really good at bat. And then uh, I missed with a couple pitches there at the end for him to get the walk. Ultimately, how do you get out of that jam in the fifth? Just making pitches. You know, I just had to slow the game down, take it one pitch at a time and try to make the best pitches that I could. And, and they worked out. How did you feel the command of your, your breaking pitches today overall? Uh, definitely didn't feel my greatest today. Um, you know, the curveball uh, got me out of some situations. I think it was okay. Um, hung some cutters today that weren't very good. Fastball location was spotty. You know, just wasn't my best stuff. Wasn't it through the zone today. Um, but, you know, it's just, just one of those days. It just seems like when that happens, maybe they start to guess more on fastballs. And that's where the foul balls come. And stuff like that too. I don't know if you saw some of that as well. But. Yeah, it just uh, just wasn't my best fastball. You know, I wasn't jumping through the zones. So wasn't getting as much swing and miss or, you know, weak contact on it. And uh, they didn't have to cheat to it maybe as much, making my off-speed stuff better uh, today. So, um, yeah, they, they, you know, they just put together good at-bats, fouled off a lot of pitches, and I uh, got my pitch count up. How taxing was that fifth inning in totality just after the, the first about the Alberto and then having to work out of the bases loaded? How, how did you feel coming out of that? Uh, yeah, you know, that was high leverage. Um, you know, bases loaded, not out, tough to get out of. Um, but, uh, you know, I felt I felt fine. But they, they told me that they want to take me out because they've been riding me lately, you know, pitching deep in ball games, some higher pitch counts and stuff. They wanted to uh, give me a bit of a break on the pitch count and uh, just have the bullpen take care of it. Back this month, and it didn't end maybe the way you wanted, but the way you've done here in May is kind of feel pretty good yeah yeah I think it was a great month you know there's a lot of good things that happened there um I felt good felt like I made some strides with my approach uh, out there and uh just gonna try to keep on going here you also reached career strikeout number 500 you know it's one of many milestones <laughs> that you'll reach is it significant to you yeah that was that was really cool um you know Felix came up to me actually after my last start and said hey did you get your 500 and he's like I think you got. Uh, I think I had four nine had four ninety nine after last outing, and uh, so I, I knew because of that that I was getting. Uh, you know, I was going to get towards five hundred today. Um, so that was that was cool. There's something about the Rangers and facing that. I think it was the last time they had all those foul balls too. And um, there's something about them that, that you struggle more against them than other teams. Or? I don't think so. You know, my, my last start against them, um, I wasn't right yet. You know, I just didn't have my stuff going uh, the way I wanted to. And uh, tonight, just again, they caught me on a night that uh, I didn't have my best stuff. You know, I had some, I've had some games against them in the past when I've had my stuff and had good outings. Um, but they, uh, you know, they put together good at-bats tonight. There's James Paxton reacting to the Mariners' loss last night. So now we look forward to tonight. LeBlanc on the mound, who's just been masterful. He'll get the ball against the Rangers game four of the series. Ems will look to even this series up. And who knows, maybe another crack at first place. We'll see. Mariners and Astros coming up, too, on the road. That should be a fun series coming up. Speaking of fun, one of the great things about the Rangers being in town is their tremendous play-by-play man, Eric Nadell, of course, in the Hall of Fame, but a man of many interests and an always a fun conversation as we had a chance to catch up with the Mariners Hall of Fame broadcaster. Shannon Dreher now joined by Rick Riz, Aaron Goldsmith, Gary Hill, and we're pulling in one from the other side, Rangers broadcaster Eric Nadell, who uh, might be the happiest uh, person in the ballpark right now with the, <laughs> the cool temps outside. You said 97 in Texas right now. 
The Sunday game we played was uh, played in 97 degrees most of the way the day before we came here. So it was incredibly refreshing to get here on Sunday night and then to be able to spend a good part of the day here yesterday outside, even after the game ended. Uh, what, it got dark about midnight last night? I think. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. No, we're not quite to summer I yet. I wanted to I'd see like the to full see moon. Sunshine. It came up at like 5 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Rangers come in, and it looks like there's a lot going on with the pitching right now. Uh, what, what have you got going with the starters? Well, it's a good question. Uh, Matt Moore is coming off the disabled list tomorrow, and, you know, he hasn't had a good year at all. His earn run average has been above seven. Uh, obviously, there's got to be debate about uh, how long he can stay in the rotation. Tomorrow night start might be a really big one. Uh, nobody's committing to that. But especially if Austin Bibbins Dirks pitches well again today and gives them a, another viable option. But, you know, one of the things they're doing this year is trying to make sure that Mike Miner's innings get limited because he worked as a reliever last year. He only threw 75 innings. Mm. They want to hold him to about 130 to 140 innings this year. And to do that, they're trying to make sure he has extra rest almost every time. So uh, they've gone with a six-man rotation off and on this year, and that's basically what they're doing this week. It allows Miner to pitch on Thursday and give him some extra rest. Tell us a little bit about Austin Bibbins Dirks. The Mariners drafted him in the 16th round back in 2006. He spends 12 years in the minor leagues. The Mariners released him right away his first or second year in the organization. Then he becomes a 30-plus-year-old rookie with your ball club last year. Tell us, how great a story is Austin Bibbins? It's an incredible story. You know, when he finally got to the big leagues last year uh, in late May, we were all intrigued by it. You know, in spring training, he was one of those back-of-the-book guys who comes over wearing the number 98, you know, every day. And he pitched so well, they kept bringing him back. And every time the Rangers have had a guy like that, he's eventually come up that same season, even though he was a nobody going into spring training. C.J. Wilson was one of those guys. Scott Feldman was one of those guys. And then ultimately, Bivens Dirks last year was one of those guys. The Mariners had drafted him to be a relief pitcher. In fact, he was a closer at High Desert, I think his second professional season with you guys, and he hurt his arm. He lost velocity. He could no longer be a closer. Uh, the Mariners released him, and he reinvented himself as a starting pitcher. Uh, never had tremendous stuff. Never had a big fastball. Bounced around pitched in Europe, uh, pitched in uh, Latin America for many, many years. He's a household name in Venezuela. (laughs) And with all these independent teams, uh, several organizations, uh, he's a tremendous guy. He's just been committed to playing baseball and believing in himself. And just a phenomenal story. He was the Rangers' rookie of the year last year. Hall of Fame broadcaster, the voice of the Rangers, Eric Nadell, is our guest here on the roundtable. Eric, what do you make of the division this year? We, we knew it would be a competitive division this year going into the season. The Astros, it looks like not much of a World Series hangover. The Mariners, at least for right now, have been able to distance themselves a little bit from the Angels. What, what do you make of the West so far? Well, I'm impressed with how uh, your team's been able to stay close to the Astros. To me, the Astros still basically have no weaknesses. And, you know, their ERA has been so much lower than everybody else's for most of the season. They haven't scored runs at the rate they did last year. I imagine as the weather heats up, they'll probably start scoring more runs. But uh, I've been impressed with your club, but particularly what you've done since Cano got hurt. It's like all the pitchers decided, well, we have to be better because <laughs> Cano's not here. And everybody's better now. How do you do that? You know? And, of course, the most important thing probably is finding ways to win those close games, you know, which your team just repeatedly does. So just 
come up with a run here and there late in the game and then pull one out. I mean, your team, was it two years ago, was it 36 one-run wins? Is that number right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they say that that's luck if you talk to the analysts. I don't necessarily believe it's luck, but it is something that's pretty hard to repeat from year to year, and uh, history tells us that. And was that the all-time record or a modern-day record or something like that? I think it was, yeah. Okay. But you can learn to win a one-run game. And I think yeah. you saw that that year, too. Yeah, and if you play fundamentally well, you don't give runs away, and your bullpen is good, yeah. you've got a much better chance of, of winning one-run games. Eric Nadell inducted into the baseball Hall of Fame as a broadcaster in 2014. What was that experience like for you, buddy? It was a surreal experience. I still can't get over it. You know, when I think of the guys I grew up listening to, Mel Allen and Red Barber, uh, then as I started moving around the country, you know, hearing Jack Buck and Ernie Harwell and eventually Dave Niehaus, yeah. um, to think that, you know, I'm on the same wall in Cooperstown with those guys, it, it still seems to be like they should do a recount that, that I sneaked into some private club and got away with it. I ask everybody in the Hall of Fame this question that I have the opportunity to. Uh, if you kind of close your eyes and, and believe that the ghosts come out to play at night in Cooperstown, if, if you're, you were to be between two uh, players, broadcasters, anyone in there, who would it be? Well, probably to me it would be the broadcasters. And, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's a tough one because as a, as a little kid I was listening to the Yankees announcers, Red Barber and Mel Allen. And then as I got a little bit older – you know, into my teens, it was the Mets announcers, Lindsey Nelson and Bob Murphy. So, uh, you know, maybe I'd pull one from each of those two teams and be between those. If it was players, it would be Sandy Koufax and Tom Seaver. Okay. Sandy was my first baseball idol, and Tom Seaver was my second baseball idol. And I got to spend time talking to both of them that weekend in Cooperstown. It was, it was a tremendous thrill. We have a That's bark a great and, question. <laughs> you yeah. can use it if you like. Thanks, I'm stealing that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a bark in the park tonight. I know the pups are near right. and dear to your heart. What, what do you like when you see that around the league? Fantastic. You know, when the White Sox first started having dogs in their ballpark, they had that kennel out there in right center field. I remember going out there and doing a pregame show with the woman who ran it. There's and a kennel? She, you know, there's a kennel out there. People they have a dog check because so many people are like <laughs> on cross-country trips. Uh, huh? they, they've had this since the new Comiskey Park opened up. I thought that was up. the picnic area. Really? There is a kennel out there that <laughs> accommodates up to, I think, 15 dogs in, you know, in big, uh, you know, their cages. They call them crates or whatever. And, uh, and they told me about the idea of actually having dogs come and putting in some kind of artificial turf, which would handle, you know, the dog's necessities. <laughs> and <laughs> since then, you know... You go around the league, most teams have it once or twice or three times, depending on the sponsor arrangement. I think it's fantastic. You know, I always take my dog wherever I can, uh, as long as he's well-behaved and gets along with other dogs. And uh, I think it's so much fun. I've never brought the dog up to the booth, figuring that barking on the air probably would be looked down upon. But one of these days, I, I, I might just do that. Maybe I'm at the point now where I'm I can get away with it. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a I think Aaron's barked on <laughs> the air, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> On and off. He certainly, is, he certainly has wine. I have a, a mixed, a mixed, a ferocious mixed terrier who weighs 16 pounds, 16 who is named pounds. Kirby Puckett, really? after my favorite opposing player of all time. Kirby yeah. Puckett. He was going to be named Julio Franco after my favorite Ranger player, <laughs> but when he first came to our house, we had a date with him, you know, before we adopted him, and we saw him scooting around the house. I, I said to my wife, he's, he's not like Julio Kirby. Franco, he's Kirby Puckett. 
And wow. he's been Kirby fucking. Now, why was Kirby then. your favorite opposing player? I love the joy with which he played. You know, it was a lot like Griffey. He played with a smile on his face. Yeah. He played with reckless abandon. He didn't need scouting reports. He didn't need to work counts. The first pitch he saw that he could reach, he hammered it. And uh, I love that. And I love the way he played the outfield. And he always had a smile on his face. And he knew all of us by name. No, if you talked to him once, he remembered your name. He might even give you a nickname. He used to call me Nade. Yeah. <laughs> Only guy in the world who ever called me Nade. But he called he, me Rizzy. He, Rizzy. Hey, Rizzy. He knew who I was. Wasn't that sensational? Yeah. He, he made he, you feel so important. I mean, they were joking around on the World Series. During the World Series, he and Ken Herberg took the public address announcer, Bob Casey, who was situated yeah. right behind home plate, locked him in the bathroom. <laughs> During the World Series. The PA announcer. <laughs> He was they, pretty loose. kind of need that guy. He was great. Absolutely. Yeah. Eric, thank you so much for stopping by. And Thanks, the dogs, Jim. I believe they'll be up right above uh, left field, and they'll do a little run around the bases after the game. Oh, great. I'm off in the third inning. I'm hitting that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.